Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with Managing Director of the most visited, privately owned attraction in Australia, Scenic World. Anthea Hammond is third generation Hammond family to take control of the World Heritage Listed Blue Mountains attraction, which has seen her navigate some tumultuous terrain these past two years with devastating bushfires for months, only to be followed up with a pandemic that has crippled the entire attractions industry. With a strong focus on family succession planning, she was well supported to navigate unfamiliar terrain. She has been determined to maintain the culture and iconic scenic attraction that began in 1945 when her grandfather, Harry Hammond, converted the abandoned coal mine into the scenic railway. With an engineering background, she has taken her fascination for how machinery works and sculpted a working environment that includes her two and six-year-old in tow. The family culture is truly felt the moment you're on site. In spectacular fashion, Nat and I met Anthea in her natural habitat. Her youngest child, Hamilton, was in a pram being cuddled by one staff member to another. Anthea was overseeing the room that she'd organized for her community to be inspired by a hero's journey, which was, of course, my Nat. (laughs) And then her daughter, Hazel, was running back and forth, reminding us all who was really in charge. The values in her business place are living and breathing. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to a leader that has forged a new model. Not so much always deliberately, perhaps, but more so organically, constantly bringing family values into the forefront and demonstrating how powerful it really can be to operate from this platform. So that's you, Anthea. That You did all of that. So thanks for being here. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> oh, the understated. I love it. So Look, as I saw Hazel running around the place, I think it's been more than a year ago now, um, she she was so in charge. She was so feeling at home there. Are there any similarities to how you grew up amongst the scenic world, you know, landscape with your dad? Absolutely. I I grew up spending every Sunday from probably from when I was about five down at work. We were maybe here for different reasons. Hazel's here because I like to be connected to my kids and I work long hours and it's it's lovely to have them on site um, at opportunities such as the one you and Nat were at. Um, for me, I used to go to work. My dad worked always worked Sundays, so I used to find it a great escape from, from home. I'm one of five siblings and so um, it was really nice for me to come and have that time with dad um, away from the other siblings and and potter around after him and, and hang out. So 
same thing but different i think yeah. it's um hazel came to work with me from when she was born pretty much um hamilton as well um so that i could keep feeding and and i was lucky enough to be able to have a nanny to help me juggle that once they got mm. a bit bigger and, and they pop in and we have lunch or they go and talk to the staff so hazel's got a really good rapport with a lot of the staff because she's been hanging out with them now for, for six years so it's really lovely yeah cool distinction actually that let's get into that in a little bit because I want to talk about how perhaps you came to be with your dad to escape, whereas perhaps your reasons, like you're saying, with your kids are a little bit different. And before we do that, I, I just want to stay in this vision of you being little, like Hazel. So when you were growing up, can you recall at all the dreams that you had for your life or the things that you used to say you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, I, it sort of probably had two tracks. Um, people have said to me that they remember when I was little standing out on the railway platform going, well, I'm going to be the boss of Scenic World one day, which I always find hilarious. I don't remember saying that. I probably did, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> that's always really funny. I think what being down here with Dad when I was little did really instilled in me that love of engineering, big machinery. I used to wander around with him while he was maintaining things and he would be driving the Scenic Railway and, just these big wondrous machines that just moved people and helped people have fun and I used to just think wow that's so cool I want to be able to do that and so I think that really it was less at that stage about the business and more about the engineering that I, that I wanted to be able to build really fun things that people could go on um, so so that's what used to drive me and motivate me and and that's where that that roots of me wanting to be an engineer really came from. And did did all the people in your life tend to just encourage anything that you were up for? Like when you love the machines and you wanted to work on them, was it, was there always a sense of, well, if I want to do it, I can do it. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty determined person. So I don't really feel like it took other people telling me I could do it to think I could do it. I just was just when that's what I'm going to do. I think that's just the personality that I am. I mean, I'm sure that dad encouraged me. I, I'm sure that dad wasn't going, no, no, you can't be an engineer. You're a girl. Like he was always very open and he would be happy. He's one of those people that's always really happy to share their knowledge. So I'm sure there was a nod of knowledge sharing and, and he would show me how things worked. And and so in that way, encouraged me. I don't think he directly was going, do you want to be an engineer now? But but just through that sharing of knowledge, he he would have been encouraging that spark in me. Yeah. So you, you work with your brother now, you know, um, the two of you, like he, he has a different sort of skill set and background, but you know, there's the two of you, but I've also heard you say that it wasn't always so glorious and get along. And so, which had me think of my older brother and I laughed inside when you said that. So tell me a little bit about, so if dad and everyone was quite encouraging or they had to get out of your way because you're so determined, what about your brother? Did he get in your way? Well, when I said earlier I needed to escape the house on Sundays and go to work with Dad, I was probably mostly escaping my older brother um, <laughs> and maybe my mum trying to make me clean my room. But um, David, my older brother, did spend most of our youth teasing me a lot um, mm. and so I think that reprieve of coming to Scenic World was quite pleasant. Um, I was really happy when he moved out and went to university when I was about 15 because I thought, yes, I've sort of got my life back now. I could live at home without being harassed all the time. Didn't stop me working at Scenic World. But, um, and, and we really didn't talk much for about 10 years. He oh. moved away to go to university. Then he lived in Sydney. I moved away to go to university. I lived somewhere else in Sydney. And, and we really didn't talk. And I, I came back to work in the business in, 20, in 2004. 
mm-hmm. and was in the business for a few years before he came back, which I think helped because I had already established a real place in the business. It wasn't a leadership role at that point. It was what was within engineering and maintenance and and I was here. And so when he came into the business, um, he had a finance background. And so we sort of sat down when he started and went, right, we need to figure out how we're going to work together. And because we knew that we were both sort of happy to stay for a considerable amount of time. And the relationship that we had when we were children was obviously not going to create a productive work relationship. So at that point, David actually apologised for being such a nasty brother. Well done, David. Last 15 years when we were young. And but that gave us a really important place to be able to move forward. And we both acknowledged that what we didn't know about each other's skill set would fill a warehouse, which was really helpful because I didn't know anything about finance and commerce and economics, and he didn't know anything about engineering. So it gave us a really solid foundation to go, right, well, we can both have a place in this business. That's really important. That's really valuable. And we can work together. So over a period of a number of years, as dad was still in the business, we, we both grew in our respective roles. And then when dad was looking to retire, we became joint managing directors because that felt like the most natural thing to do. We were actually about to take on the rebuild of the scenic railway. So it was you know, a $30 million project. There was a lot to deal with financially. There was a lot to deal with engineering wise and having, and as young leaders, we were, I was only just 30. Um, as young leaders in the business, it was really nice to have that support of each other as we worked through that massive project. Um, and as well as that, running a leadership team, um, also growing into that, having each other made that a lot easier as well. And we were always very conscious of making sure that we were one voice so that no one in the leadership could play, well, mum said this and we're going to go now see dad because we didn't like her answer. We were always very aligned and, and we had, I don't even know, it, it wasn't a, I don't even know if it was a stated agreement, it just sort of evolved that if we were in a meeting and we could see that we were not agreeing on something that we would pull back we would regroup and discuss a point to get we were to where we were happy with and we would go back to the leadership team with that not that we couldn't be swayed or discussed with but that we wanted to be one voice to the leadership team the staff used to call us the two-headed monster because we were always on the same path like in a nice way in a nice way yeah but that's Um, actually quite powerful that you two had agreed to be a united front that you were leaders together. Yeah. Um, and in seven years, we never raised a voice to each other in the office. Wow. You know, there's none of this you hear about family businesses where they're screaming at each other in the office. We never raised a voice to each other. And we and that doesn't mean wow. we didn't disagree on things and we didn't need to discuss with each other and challenge each other, but we didn't need to do it in a way that brought in emotion and, and family emotion, just like it shouldn't do when you're talking to any other leader in your business. Yeah, that's actually really a great distinction. And it's great that you came from a challenging, haven't spoken to you for 10 years environment as well, because it means that you worked at it. It didn't just come naturally. And I think though that also gave us space to realise that we had grown up and turned into adult yes. humans and that we were not the children because we hadn't just kept evolving through the ages because we had that big gap. We went, oh, I don't even know who you are as a person. Like mm-hmm. I literally haven't spent any time with you for the last 10 years. So we actually needed to get to know each other as adults, which was, I think, a really important step in that process. Hmm. That's cool. That's a, you know, a message to all of us. Thank you. <laughs> I have to say, like, when you brought up Young Leader, it had me thinking about when I graduated from university. So you graduate as an engineer and 
what's the transition like between knowing a craft and then I know it was slow, but not really like then you're a lead, like leading or leading a project isn't the same as mechanism. It's not as the same mechanism, let's say. So how did that work? And if you can make this um, distinction, was that always the dream? Which one felt more like the dream, the machine building and the engineering or like the I'm going to run this place one day. And I know there, ironically, you said there's two paths, <laughs> but, but somehow you're doing both. So what happened? I think um, so I, when I finished university, I came back to work in the business, like I said, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll stay for a little while and then I'll go overseas and, and, and work you're building cableways or, or something overseas and but got here and thought actually I really enjoy working with dad I I love the Blue Mountains I, I love where I'm working and I could feel like I was making a real positive difference mm-hmm. so I stayed and right. I think what I did rather than going oh, I need to go overseas and get experience and I need to build myself that way was I kept making decisions to try and grow myself mm-hmm. and my my personal brand but not in a social media way just in like who I am as a leader way and so there was a number of opportunities that really lovely mentor uh, mentors um people gave me such as at 24 an engineer that I knew through scenic world offered um and said oh why don't you come and sit on the standards committee that helps write safety standards for amusement rides in Australia I went Sure, sounds like a great opportunity. Like so far outside your comfort zone when you're an engineer two years out of uni. Like you don't have the breadth of experience to be able wow. to develop standards. But they were like, no, no, we want, we want, we want a young voice. We want some diversity. And I walked into the first meeting and I was the only female, I think. I was the only person under about 55. And I was like, all right, well, that's me. Let's go. Um and so I've always tried to take that attitude of if someone sticks you, gives you an opportunity to go outside your comfort zone, you should do that. And and being in that room, um, and that was sort of one of the first sort of out of my own work, the sort of volunteer roles that I did, gave me the opportunity to watch how more experienced leaders work a room and get agreement and build a rapport with people. And so it wasn't just that I was getting experience from within Scenic World in how to lead. I made sure I was getting experience from outside of Scenic World in how to lead. You know, I used to go to a lot of conferences around um, the Australian Amusement and the Leisure Association, Alara, uh, and, and again, just keep learning. I think that's how that gradual transition occurs because you see how other people are doing it. You learn from them and go, okay, great. What can I apply and how can I do it differently and step outside your comfort zone? And what, as a learner, are you someone who walked into that room at 23, 24 and did you speak or were you a listener? Did you just watch everybody? How do you, how do you best learn? No, I'm sure I did a little bit of listening because it's it, it, not that I don't get intimidated in those situations, let me be clear. Um, but I think I, I also, I was encouraged to be able to speak. So I never felt like walking into that room, you don't know what you're doing. Like sure. I, I've always been lucky that the, those situations where I've been put out of my comfort zone because I've been invited by people to participate in that, for example, um, that they've been, okay, well, what do you think, Anthony? And they've given me that opportunity to try and grow my voice. And I'm sure initially the comments were small and as I built more confidence and built more rapport with the room, I I, um, I got better at it. And now I'm actually the chairperson of that committee. So wow. obviously grew into the role as I moved along. 
Or maybe no one else wanted it. Could be either. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go if, if that's the, the reason. But I think there's something really interesting about you now chairing that role. What do you think is the value that they thought they needed a younger female? Why did they go after you for that? And do you think it mattered? Um, I think in our general broader community, there is a growing want for diversity, um, gender diversity, all sorts of diversity. And it's, I think I'm someone who's willing to put my hat in the ring and go, sure, I'll come and do it, even though it might not be the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of me being determined. Um, and similarly, when I chose to go on the board of Western Sydney Airport, I just was like, wow, this is going to be, I have a skill set that I'm sure applies, but it's a big step out of my comfort zone. And but was really encouraged and supported to to take on that role. And yes, I'm a female. I don't think that's the only reason I'm there. I, you know, I, I think I'm there because I will speak up because I won't sit quietly in the corner once I know enough to actually say something. You know, there's always a learning process. Yeah. Um, and that helps as well. So it's it's I'm sure it's partially because I'm female, but I think it also needs to be about that attitude that you bring into the room, that you're willing to give things a go and learn and and be there and be be involved in what you're doing. And one of the attitudes I hear and I think is genderless is this idea. Tell me about how you tackle comfort zone. What's your attitude for comfort zone? Probably depends what it is. If you ask me to jump out of a plane, I might not say yes. Um, having kids probably changed that, to be honest. Um, yeah. Mm. I just think that you have to go for things. Like there is no way to grow and learn unless you go outside your comfort zone. And yeah. it helps to have some support along the way, couch, just, you know, cushion you just a little mm. bit. But I guess that is something that I always just, I didn't really realise I was doing it. I, I remember I was asked to give a talk when I was about 30 and they were like, and it was about your personal brand. And I it was when I was reflecting doing that talk, I thought, oh, actually, that's how I've done this. I've, mm. whenever anyone's given me that opportunity, I haven't gone, oh, no, I don't have time or, oh, no, it's a bit hard. I've gone, no, let's find time and let's let's make that happen and that'll be a really good experience for me. And And I think it's just that determination in me that, I'm not outwardly competitive, but I'm very inwardly competitive with myself. Yeah. So I don't like to not get things right and I'm probably a bit of a perfectionist. So it's that, no, I can do this. If someone else thinks I can do this, then surely I can do this. And, okay, great, I'm going to give it a whirl and then I'm going to cook. And then once I'm in there, I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do this properly. Got it. Yeah, I get the order at which you engage. And I, I live with one and I've noticed <laughs> that you can actually shift your strategy too, you know, because I think when you live in your personality and just the way you've always done things, when you're open, you can actually see, oh, what if I tried to shoot and then aim second, you know, meaning to me, what that means is I'm actually going to say yes first and then figure it out. Um, That makes a huge difference. I mean, it sure does for a perfection. If you try to be a perfectionist before you say yes, it's quite different than when you, you say yes. And then you go in for how can I how can I be great at this? Yeah. You know, so sure. yeah, thanks for sharing that. Cause I think sometimes we just get stuck in our, our ways of being, and it's nice to know that there's an outcome to being the way you are. Lots of boards at a very early age. Yeah. And I, and I don't really like the saying fake it till you make it. Cause I, I don't mm-hmm. go into that going, I'm going to fake that. I'm <laughs> I go in with an authenticity of 
I don't know a lot about this yet and I'm going to add value where my skill set and experience allows me to, but I will absolutely grow into the role and be more valuable as we move through. So I think that's sort of how I approach it. Awesome. Okay. I'm very curious about your leadership or how you were pre-kids and post-kids and whether you think there's a difference. Uh, I worked a lot more hours pre-kids. That's what I can tell you. Yeah. (laughs) I think the thing is being in a family business, that those family values were already very strong even before I had children. So the fact that I could then turn up with children only reinforced those beliefs and values that that really I already lived because we had a strong family business. Mm. So I don't know that my leadership changed that much between the two. There wasn't really a pre-kids, post-kids. There was probably more how much I worked versus I needed to place value on spending time with my children. And so the hybrid model of them being able to come to work sometimes and, and me being able to spend less time at work. Um, but like so- you breastfed, for example, right? Yeah, there's got to be a difference between breastfeeding in a meeting and having a meeting without breastfeeding. Is there not? No, not really. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that's hilarious. I mean, it like I said, it really helped that when they got a bit bigger, had a nanny because you can't have an eight-month-old baby crawling all over you while you're in a meeting, right? But if they're coming for a quick fifteen-minute feed and then they're going again, then that's a very different situation. So let me be clear: I was never juggling I mean actually last week I was juggling a two-year-old and a six-year-old in a board meeting and that was not fun that was just stressful but when they were little it was it helped that I had another pair of hands to be able to facilitate that right when they were really little um I think I went to a Western Sydney airport board meeting when my son was three weeks old and it it was only a short meeting it was only a couple of hours but (laughs) he just had to come I was like I didn't have a nanny like he's just got to just got to come. I mean, I was also blessed with well-behaved, non-colicky babies, right? They weren't amazing sleepers at night, but during the day, once you'd fed them, they were happy to just fly around and not make a lot of noise. Like if you had a baby with, <laughs> with more, that was more challenging than that, you couldn't have done it, right? Yeah, well, but so. I do know that the people on the airport board were not expecting me to be able to do that. And I sort of walked in and went, here's the baby. And okay, great, feed him. <laughs> And that's why I introduced you as organically doing it, because, I mean, I don't think you set up some big structure that was going to allow for it. You just kind of walked in and everyone went, right, this is what it looks like when a child is in our meeting. I mean, in the, well, at Scenic World as well, it was interesting because when I went to have my first child, my brother had already had three already. And so he was quite cautious of how I was going to react to being a mother in that he was like, look, you might have this baby and not want to come back to work for six months. We need to be prepared for that. And I was like, I'm not going to have the baby and not come back to work for six months. It's not going to happen. Like, that's just not who I am. He was like, well, you know, we need to make sure. I'm like, fine, you make sure, we'll make sure, whatever, but I'll be back. So sure enough, I think um, (laughs) I remember having her and my husband and I had both taken time off work and we're on about we're about a week in and we went for a little stroll up the road and back and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to work tomorrow. Just take the bub. <laughs> he's like, well, I've taken two weeks of work. He's like, I guess I'll have to go back because I don't really have a reason to be at home if you're going to work. <laughs> I love it. It's like the big discussion. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Um, 
<laughs> so off I toddled back to work. I didn't do full days. Like initially I'd just turn up for an hour or two and go, hi, everyone. And I just would go to the weekly leadership team meeting for an hour and then go home again. Like I sort of eased back into it. But did you miss people? Did you miss the environment? Is that what was calling you? Yeah, but yes. I just, I enjoy what I do. You know, I enjoy being at work. I, yeah, I enjoy the people. I enjoy the challenge it brings. I enjoy seeing our visitors. And so I was like, you know, I can, if I think I can do this, I probably can. So, I mean, it helps that you're the leader of the business. There are so many people who will be listening to this going, well, I can't do that. I work in a reception or I, you know, have an office job. Yeah, I completely get it. Like you can't, be doing you can't be bringing a three-month-old baby to work when you've got a front of house role like it's impossible so I feel really privileged that I'm in this position where I could go look I can make this work and I can manage it and and so because you were the leader though you also you're right you you forge a, a path that we're not used to seeing that was the impression that I got because I I just recognized oh I don't see this very much this is quite uncommon this actually works why don't we see this more? You know, like that alone has an impact on someone who might work for you as well. And I get, like you said, that often it, it gets forged from the top because you can make more allowances and rules and you kind of just are making it up as well. Yeah, I mean, it is an attitude though, right? I walked out into my, we're closed obviously at the moment because um, of the lockdown, but I walked out into my retail uh, area yesterday where they're setting up to reopen and my retail manager was there with her two kids and the two kids are on a picnic blanket on the floor they're sort of two and three um and she's come to work and she's like oh yeah they're fine just you know just playing on the floor right and and I don't even bat an eyelid that my wow. staff have done that I, I don't know if they asked anyone I don't care like hmm. it's fine because it's not interfering with their work it's just them doing that balance and so I'm I'm happy if I've set that expectation in my business that that's okay um cool. I didn't really think about that much I think again that determination I mean, was just like I don't want to miss out on work and I don't want to miss out on being a mum so I'm just going to combine them and they're just going to come along and it's just we're just going to make it work you know so I don't know this is I always just trust my burning question what why did you want to have kids kids um because I found the right guy and we like kids and wanted to have babies um <laughs> but is it like do you envision it into the future do you go oh they're gonna just like do life with me like because you were leading and you and I'm asking a lot because I was going back and forth with my own decision will I won't I you know and it was a lot about well I already have a really great life things why would I put this what I perceived as an obstacle because I didn't actually know some of the joys that were involved um so when you're making that decision is it like did you have a vision that, oh, wow, they're going to just come to work. They're just going to do my life with me and it's just going to be better. Yeah, probably. I'm struggling to remember six years ago, but I think I, I never thought, oh, I'm going to stop and be a stay-at-home mum for six or 12 months. I, I don't think I ever had that thought. I am more likely, I'm sure, that I was always like, I will make this work. I will find a way to make this work. And and thankfully could do so at Scenic World and then in other places like at the airport board, um, the chairman was really supportive of me doing that. And cool. he was like, this is absolutely something we want to be modeling. And and so, yes, sure. If that, if, you know, we can make that work, it's no problem. Because again, they were like, are you going to have leave? Are you not? And I was like, I don't think I need to have leave. Like it's a board of directors role. It's, you know, two, three days a month that's sort of scattered in between other things and it's turning up to a board meeting. So it wasn't, again, it's not a front of house role. It's a very yeah. different type of role. So. Right. 
Yeah, I think I was always like, it will just work. Yep. And were there women in your life who influenced or showed you this way of doing it? Like if some way this woman in your retail, the staff member in retail has seen you, is there someone that you'd seen even on TV? Have you seen this before or you just did Anthea? I think my grandmother worked in the business um, not whilst I was growing up, but hearing about her working in the business. She used to run the restaurant with um, for with Grandpa um, and had always worked in the business with him. So I guess I grew up with working women role models mm. um, and, you know, you then turn that into what you want it to be, right? I'm like, well, if women can work, then why can't they work and have the baby there? Like it's not... Mm-hmm. It was less about the fact that grandma had a baby at Scenic World. She may well have done, actually, and, and I have never really asked Dad the question, was he dragged along into Scenic World when he was little? He probably was. Um, don't know how he wouldn't have been because they'd bought it by then. Um, but it was more that, well, if all these women can work, then surely I can work and, and, and juggle. And, and I think the broader society in the last... I don't know, I, I want to say 10, 15 years that I've probably been paying more attention has been more how can you be a mum entrepreneur and, and how can you make it balance and how can you do that? And the term a bit in me was like, well, if other people can make it work, surely I can. Like yeah. doesn't mean it's easy. Like it's hard, right? This is not me saying my life's really super easy and I just brought my baby to work and that was easy. None of it is easy, but it's rewarding. So let's almost end on that idea that it's not easy. And I'm just going to relay the fact that when I met you, you had just had the devastating bushfires and it was literally like, oh, I think we're coming out of it. Some tourism is starting to open up. And like, weirdly, we didn't even get what was about to come, right? So then, because COVID, remember, it was just in Asia or in China and we were like, oh no, that's over there. Anyway, so then you've had COVID and lockdowns and then I heard your house burnt down on a podcast. I was like, did I hear that right? Okay. It didn't quite succeed, but it tried pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. So just let's burn, try to burn Anthea's house down. And (laughs) then I was just curious about how you're, you generally deal with stress and pressure and responsibility, but do you have strategies? Like what have you done and how do you deal with, overwhelm and stress and pressure I think I I will go back to my brother and being tormented for 15 years because I really think that builds a level of resilience in me that I wouldn't have otherwise and so now I can look back and thank him for that um so I think that's part of it I think inherently I had a decent amount of resilience terrible thing to say but I just I think it's true um I I do where well couple of things I do Uh um, and make sure that when I can, because currently borders are locked, that I go and do things I enjoy with my family. Um, So I place a high priority around being able to go on holidays with them and being able to get that time away. And whether that's only four days or whether that's a week or three weeks, um, that's really important for me. And I need that recharge time every every three or four months. And I love skiing. So we try really hard to go skiing. Um, because that's really, that's my happy place. And you need to find those happy places and give yourself permission to go and be in that happy place and and really build yourself back up when time's been stressful. Um, We managed to go last winter. We didn't get there this winter, but um, managed to go last winter, which was really lovely. Um, 
I will admit that in, was it? it was probably February, March this year, I really started to feel it. And I said to my husband, I'm not, I'm not coping and I need to do something else. I know now in myself that I am more stressed than normal and I'm, I don't want to go to work in the morning and I'm not now coping as well as I normally would. And I said, I need a circuit breaker. And so I had to start running. Um, I always have loved bushwalking and do that a lot on the weekend, you know, another happy place. But I was like, no, no, I need to actually go out and go running and give myself a bit of brain space. And so I think it's about having that self-awareness to know when you're getting to that tipping point of, no, no, this isn't enough now. So I started running. I still don't go very far or like I try and go twice, three times a week. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not turning into an ultra trail runner, but it's enough for me and my brain to, to get a bit of space. And the other thing I do is um, I have a nutritionist that I've had since before I had Hazel. And, and that really came through. So another way I support myself is I'm part of a family business forum group. So it's a bit like a CEO type institute. So 10 family business leaders get together once a month in a confidential confidential space where we can talk about family, business, relationships. And it's it's different to a normal CEO one because it has that family business space to talk as well. So that group is really, really a very important part of my support network. And part of what we talk about is supporting it's we actually talk about being a high elite athlete in that a leader of a business isn't that different you need to be supporting yourself nutritionally you need to be supporting yourself sleep wise you need to be supporting yourself and and mentally develop and grow yourself and so through that I was like all right I really need to place a focus on nutrition so I got a nutritionist when I first got pregnant because one of the other things I was like is I don't want to go flaky while I'm pregnant so many women are like oh I can't think and so having good nutritional support all the way through my pregnancies, I wasn't as tired. I was more on point. I was more able to cope. I was less emotional, um, which just helps everyone, right? It helps the business. It helps me. It helps my husband. It helps the kids. Um, So that has been massive. And I have an amazing nutritionist and still see her. And so when I was really stressed back in March, I also made an appointment with her and said, "I I don't feel like I'm I'm on top of my game and I'm struggling a bit. So what else? Is there anything else we can do? Um, So it's not any one thing. It is a number of things, but it is just those real pillars of health, of sleep and nutrition and exercise. And I don't know how many times people will hear it, but it is important. And I couldn't do what I do without all of those things coming together. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad somebody said that it's like, sport in that way that you perform like it's there's performance to this and thank you for saying it because a nutritionist and like taking that forward step especially before it gets really bad like if you had tried to do that in february when you could feel yourself really going downhill um i think it's more challenging to engage the right people at that time and the fact that you had it set up brilliant basically yeah, I, I wouldn't have. My husband's like your nutritionist got you through your pregnancies, honestly. Yeah, wow. Like you were livable because of that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made the relationship thrive. <laughs> I'm still married because of my nutritionist. <laughs> and Anthea, I have to say, like, I feel like there were so many different branches that we could have chatted about, and this was a very, very insightful and like inspiring one that we chose, but um. I would love to chat to you when you open the doors again, as you, when you invite people back in um, 
and just almost celebrate all this determination that you've had and holding steady during this time, admitting when you weren't steady. And um, yeah, I've just, yeah, you've just really stuck with me. And that's why I reached out again after COVID stuff too, because I was like, I just, I want to hear how she's going. So thank you for sharing this. I think women and men and leaders and business people will be really inspired. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So... Open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to... Put your fingers on the keys and send us a review.